to episode 69 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio from the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who has now lived one-third of a century. One-third of a century. John yeah. Scott Sloat. Technically not yet. I need a third of a year to pass. Right. And then I think we've... We're rounding up. Yeah, yeah. We're rounding up at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Had a had a lovely birthday weekend. Um, Got to see an excellent commissioning service on Sunday. I got to relax on a rainy Saturday with my wife at home. It was was a lovely weekend. Good deal. And I discovered this yesterday and texted you. You share a birthday... With Tom Schreiner. Yeah, I did not know that until I saw it on Twitter <laughs> yesterday. Um, so that was uh, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, how about that? So 33 years old. Wow. 33, yeah. Yeah, it's here. Yes, yeah. My Patrick Ewing year. Yes. Um, when I turned 33, I was just about to start my job here at Grace. Really? Yeah. Wow. Summer of 2006. Wow. Yeah. So you're the age that I was when I started wow. my job here at Grace. Incredible. So it's like I'm looking backwards into time <laughs> and, and seeing what, what that looked like. So uh. anyway, so we would love for you to connect with us. Um, John mentioned Twitter. We are both individually on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm on there at Doc Harmon and yours is? John, at John underscore Sloat. Okay. The uh, and we have our own podcast feed, of course, at V and S Pod. You can email the show, various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page where you can give us a like and a follow. And we also are on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube. And uh, we do have at least one video episode up there, the rest are the audio episodes, but we do have our uh, uh, video recording of our conversation with Zach from Ohio where yeah. we took over the was a good Grace time. Story podcast. So you can feel free to check that out. We would love for you to leave a review and a rating for us on whatever podcast platform you access our show. And we wanted to make sure you were aware that our next episode, we have our second author interview yeah, of, our, of our show's history. And this one will be Barnabas Piper. Mm-hmm. So uh, you still have some time. If you listen to this within the next, you know, it'll launch on a Tuesday. If you listen to that within the next two, three days, you can still shoot us a question for Barnabas and uh, we can consider adding that into the rotation. We're working on our set of questions as we speak. Uh, Barnabas, besides being the son of the uh, widely known John Piper, mm-hmm. uh, is an author in his own right, is now a pastor as well, and um, and is one of the three co-hosts of the, uh, can we call it wildly popular Happy Rant podcast? Yeah, I, I, very popular. <laughs> I, don't, I don't Maybe not wildly. In our circles. It's in our circles, pop- yeah. It's yeah, popular. it's great. Yeah. So, and it's one of the inspirations for this program in, in, in a sense of – uh, their podcast is very much based on their friendship and their interaction with each other, and so uh, that was one of the inspirations for uh, for this show. I think. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Yeah. Another inspiration for the show is our love for sports. Yeah, and some of our basement conversations around sports. Well, that's that's yes. you know yeah. you know the ethos of our uh, indeed 
Indeed. Yeah, it's interesting that these that the the origins of this podcast in one sense are in a basement and now we're in a vault studio with no windows. Yes. <laughs> I'm shower and blackout shower curtains or yeah. probably not shower curtains, probably. Yeah, uh, those aren't shower w- curtains. Window curtains. Yeah. Yeah. We need to we need to get, to get some pictures, maybe some some video up of this just so people can get a, a visual in their head of Yeah. of of what we're doing here. So, in any case, the world of sports. We are uh, ramping up towards the NBA playoffs. When do, when do the playoffs start? I'm not sure. I mean, it's early. Uh, it's early to mid May, I think. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, th- I think we've got like ten to fifteen games left max in the in the regular season at this point. Is okay. That, that's, so so that's we're certainly right. yeah. And it's a it's a truncated season, so it's not a full. Normally they play eighty two. I think they're playing seventy two this year. I think that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. So, somewhere in that ballpark. And. Uh, one of the things they've kept from the uh, from last year's COVID craziness was this play-in thing that that they've added to the playoffs, where you know just used to be top eight in each conference, and then they you know did the, seat, the seating that way, and then you just started the best of. Are they they were they're all be- they were all best of seven now, right? There was a yeah, there was a time so. when it used to be best of five or whatever, but mm-hmm. well, they last year started this, and they're continuing it this year with this kind of play-in situation where the top six teams get their spots locked in mm-hmm. and then seven through ten have their own little mini tournament to get the last two spots locked in for the uh, for the playoffs. So there's some incentive to avoid uh, being in the seventh through tenth spot. Obviously, if you want to get in the top six, you avoid that extra round of play-in uh, games. And so, uh, well, let's – I mean, I, I know I've got this out of order here, um, but I mean, I know you're dying to talk about your beloved New York Knicks. Uh, yeah, it, well, I think it's going to be a John sports heavy pod here. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, probably Knicks, Knicks have won nine in a row, uh, and I, and I don't think that's happened since maybe Patrick Ewing was on the team, and he left in two thousand. Yeah, that could be. Um, but they've won nine in a row, and they they are fourth in the East. Uh, so they're gonna they're gonna have a, a seemingly a playoff spot. I think their percentages has gone up to like ninety percent or something like that. So that's yeah. pretty exciting. I mean, the East is pretty bunched up, but it's it's almost inconceivable that they could collapse to the point where they wouldn't make the playoffs. And so, um, I I will say. This is in part the the Tom Thibodeau effect. I think so. Yeah. Now he seems to have a shelf life. With a, His, with historically, with a historically yeah, yeah. he's had a shelf life. Yeah, that, historically, that he is he is without question one of the if not the best defensive coaches in the NBA right now. Yeah. Consistently, mm-hmm. when he comes into a team, he manages to uh, create, transform them into a. Good to great defensive team, yeah, and that's that's really one of the things that the Knicks are hanging their hat on in terms of being competitive with the elite teams. Uh, I mean, they do not to say that they don't have scoring. I mean, Julius Randle is having uh, a career, a, yes, a year. career year, and he's been amazing all, all season. So I, I think he has exceeded expectations of what he was going to be mm-hmm. coming into the year. And, and R.J. Barrett is having a very, very good year, averaging more than mm-hmm. 20 points a game and uh, and yeah. shooting, goodness, I think hitting three or four three-pointers a game at this point. Yeah. 
at a high percentage? So in the East, you've got um, Philly, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. And I, I think you're reasonable enough to acknowledge those are those are excellent teams. They're they're a, that's a step above yes, yes. anybody and, else in the East, including the Knicks. And I recognize the Knicks are playing well right now. Um, yeah, and that that is unlikely to continue to uh, get into the playoffs and be competitive is cloud nine for Knicks fans. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. There, I think those three teams are close enough that there's there's still a possibility of movement between. Philly, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn when it comes to the seeding for the top three. But they've separated themselves uh, yeah. from the rest of the Eastern Conference. And then in the West, I, I haven't paid a lot of attention to the standings until uh, doing prep for today. And I, I knew the Jazz were probably in first. What I didn't realize is that the Suns yeah, are in second, are second in the Western Conference. So it goes Jazz, Suns, and then Clippers and Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers, I think, are either – I think they're in sixth, fifth they're, or sixth? They're in fifth. fifth. Uh, so the difference is – so the Nuggets are five games out and in, in sitting in fourth. Uh, the Lakers are nine games out. Yeah, so there's first. a gap there. There's a, there's a bit of a gap, yeah. And that that leads me to the to the second piece of what I wanted to talk about is – you could argue maybe that one of the bigger stories coming into the NBA playoffs is the number of injuries to big names. Mm-hmm. So obviously you had LeBron and Anthony Davis out. Anthony Davis just came back this weekend and they're sort of ramping up his – they're going to ramp up his minutes. They're getting them ready for the playoffs. Right. Yeah. And there's no definitive date been set for LeBron's return. Mm-hmm. And that always makes me a little bit nervous of maybe he's hurt more than they're wanting to let on. Oh, yeah. But um, it could be a weird year where if if LeBron does come back and he's basically himself, maybe not you know 100%, but if he's 90% of what he is, you know, they could be in the sixth seed and could end up running through the Western Conference and winning it all. Oh, absolutely. And – uh, in the East, you know you, the the super team in the East. You've got the the Brooklyn Nets, but James Harden is out and for an unspecified amount of time now. The, he had apparently had some sort of setback with his hamstring as he has been as he's been uh, recuperating. Kevin Durant just came back from missing some games, and they're sort of easing him into his minutes mm-hmm. as well. Now, having said that, even without those two. Brooklyn's still good. I mean, with Kyrie Irving and the supporting cast they have, yeah. they're still good. They're very, very good. They're not win the NBA title good, but they're good. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that, how much of the injuries plays a role in the the, the emerging playoff storylines. There. Anything else on NBA before we move on? I don't think so. Uh, okay. I'm getting excited for the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be good. I do enjoy the NBA plus, and it looks like. More and more teams are are allowing some fans. You've noticed that if you watch the NBA games, where I've not don't have cable. I mean, yeah. So you've got like thirty five hundred in an arena, which when you're used to like nothing, yeah, like thirty five hundred fans, even if they're spread out across a, a an eighteen thousand seat venue, can still make some noise yeah. when you go from nothing to that. I mean, it's it's still not the same. Like I I miss the late game situations. Crowd going crazy. It's deafening. Like 
Yeah. That's just the silence while the shots in the air. Yeah. The, yeah. And then the eruption if it goes in kind of thing. Or the moaning if it yeah. doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I look forward to the return of that uh, eventually. But uh, let's move on to uh, Major League Baseball. How are the Mets doing? I, uh, Mets, I, I heard they had a rough a, a rough spell this past week in, in Chicago. They had a rough spell in Chicago. Okay. Um, yeah, they, they lost all three games in Chicago. Uh, they came back. That, over- that will make Jordan in Indiana. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Did he taunt you over text? No, he's not a taunter. Okay. Uh, we talked a little bit about it yesterday. He was also a little busy, you know, caring for a newborn. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, he mentioned to me, he said to me that uh, the the Cubs beat the Mets, swept the Mets this week. And I mentioned, yeah, last time that happened was t- 2015 and we beat you guys in the uh, uh, NLCS. NLCS, yeah. yeah. And uh, and went to the World Series, yeah. and and that did not put a smile on his face. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, but we took two or three this weekend, and the story around the Mets is kind of the pitching. Um, their top three pitchers right now, which they have two coming off of injury here soon, mm-hmm. uh, have a combined ERA under two and a half. So now one of them is Jacob Degrom, who's thrown four, has had four starts. His ERA is point. Three two right now, uh, and, and he, for non baseball fans, that means it's really really good, really really low. Um, and he's struck out fifty people in his first four games. Okay, that's very good. Yeah, yeah. And then probably the last thing on the sports front is the NFL draft is coming up this weekend. Yeah, I I don't tend to follow it that closely because I I don't have an NFL team that I'm you know especially following. Uh, I when I do follow it, I follow it more for the where do different Ohio State players end up getting mm-hmm. drafted, and um, yeah. So I, let let me start with who do you want your Jets to pick? They have the second pick in the draft. Yeah, I think it's mostly chiseled in stone that they're taking Zach Wilson. That's okay. my understanding. We'll know on Thursday, right? But okay, but my understanding is they're taking. And how do you feel about that? I don't know too much about him. Um, not a big fan of the Mormons personally, but uh, he seems to be a pretty good quarterback. He's got a good arm and okay. can sling it around. Okay. Yeah. So where, where do you think I, Justin Fields is going? Well, I, I'm 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 going to say this. Um, I'm relieved he's not going to the Jets. We don't know that yet. <laughs> he's not going to the Jets. Yeah. I, I I'm relieved about that. It, it, as much as you're a good friend of mine, John, I, I have to say I cringe when my Buckeyes end up going to New York because they rarely are successful there. Yeah. No, I can uh, I can understand that. We've ruined quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I his draft stock has been falling and it's difficult for me to really understand why. Mm-hmm. Other than I, I think he probably is um, paying – the price for Dwayne Haskins' troubles in Washington. Sure. And, um, you know, I, I just think that 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 seems lazy to me from a sort of, you know, player evaluation, scouting perspective. They're, they're pretty different quarterbacks. And Haskins' problems were, in one sense, more off the field 
meaning his work ethic and his mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Not not so much the physical tools. It was just the wasn't putting in the work, was a bad teammate, you know, all that well, kind of I stuff. I remember early at Washington, he was signing autographs on the sidelines when he was supposed to be going out to take a knee to, to end the game, <laughs> right? We, 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 I don't remember that, but yeah. it's possible. But in fairness too, the Washington franchise is a dumpster fire as well. Yes. So, yes. you know, th- there's plenty of blame to go around there. But I just don't get – like I've seen some of these criticisms where you get these kind of hot takes of, you know, Justin Fields, you know, through to his first read 70 percent of the time and so he can't read defenses. And it's like, well, then, you know, pro football focus comes out with all of the stats. You're like, that's actually comparable if not better than what like Mac Jones and these other guys. And and furthermore, like with with Fields, it's like – Okay, so you're going to penalize him for throwing to wide open guys mm-hmm. because Ohio State's offense was been has been so good that his first read is open. So you're going to so you're going to penalize him for not like well no he's wide open but I'm I'm going to show that I can check down to my second and third read like no mm-hmm. <laughs> throw the ball to the open guy. So I don't know. I I think so. Where does he go? Who who, I don't who is he know. going to? Like I. There was talk that he was going to end up in San Francisco, which I think would have been a good fit. But yeah. then I saw a report just a day ago that that seems to indicate that they're deciding between um, the North North Dakota guy. Yeah, the North Dakota Lance Mac Jones and uh, Trey Lance. Yeah. So, you know, I there's a part of me like I'm less concerned about how, how high he goes mm-hmm. than I am about get him in a good situation where he's going to be developed where he's going to have good coaching. And I think if he gets that kind of development, he could be like a top five quarterback in the NFL in a few years, not like right away, obviously. But he, I think he has that kind of talent. So All that we'll said, it's still a top 10 pick, right? I mean, still going top 10. I, I think so. I mean, I mean it all the, depends on who needs quarterbacks. Well, the Falcons need a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, there's, and, there's a... you know, if he goes to the Falcons, he could sit behind Matt Ryan for another couple of years probably. Yeah. Probably. So in any case, um, on to much more eternally significant matters than where (laughs) Justin Fields plays professional football. So uh, yesterday – so we're recording on a Monday as we typically do. Yesterday, we were uh, privileged at our church to to have a commissioning service Mm -hmm. where uh, there's a – family uh, from our church that we are commissioning and sending out to do church planting in a closed part of the world. And so we're going to do our best to avoid using their names and uh, and the name of the country where they're going sure. just to help protect their safety in that whole process. Maybe even just – even the business that they're doing. Yeah. Probably. I don't even think we should mention yeah. that probably yeah. just to be utterly safe. But in any case, uh, that – that sort of led us to think maybe today would be a good day to, to think through, to talk about a little bit uh, the Great Commission and church planting and using this uh, significant moment in our church's life mm-hmm. to uh, as sort of a springboard for, for thinking more about and talking more about and just trying to even raise visibility for this. We're, we're guessing that many of our listeners are already – you know, kind of live and move and breathe within the the world of the church, and so this will be a uh, something that won't be totally new to them. Though 
I think there are still plenty of believers who maybe have never seen something like we saw yesterday in terms of a yeah. commissioning service, not just, yeah, our church supports these you know, five missionaries that we send checks to every you know, every year or every month or whatever it might be, and their pictures are on a wall somewhere in the church, but uh, an actual commissioning mm-hmm. service. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was interesting. So I, I was telling you this before pod, but my life group was talking about this, and we've had some longtime people at our church in our life group, and they were all like, yeah, this was pretty pretty typical, pretty, pretty normal, pretty, you know— uh, regular church things going on yeah. Th- yeah. this morning. And I mean, we've probably seen in the time that you and I have been at CCC five of these or yeah, so? Yeah, something like something that. Something along that. So it, it's not happening every other week, but it, it feels like it happens every other year maybe. Yeah, and I, and I think something that was different and interesting was is that we had two or three people in our life group who had never seen anything like that, nor seen the particular work that was being done. Mm-hmm. So going to a closed country where, where they weren't allowed to be missionaries, starting right. a business, um, learning the language, uh, uh, creating an alphabet for that language, and translating that, translating the Bible into that language, and then beginning to preach and teach, and uh, that taking goodness – uh, twenty plus years uh, to accomplish. Yeah, that's that's one of those jaw droppers when you start to think about the process that they're kind of signing up for. Um, this is not a you know go somewhere for a year, mm-hmm. which that's not to denigrate that. Like there there can be a value in the, in those kinds of sure you know uh, short shorter term experiences, um, but this is. This is a desire to plant a church in a people group that has no gospel witness. Mm-hmm. And so the process involved in that is is pretty uh, in, intensive and extensive at the yeah. same time. Uh, and, I, and I want to dig a little bit more into that. But first I thought it, it's always just helpful, I think, to remind us of kind of the biblical basis of uh, of, of of this – idea of sending people out. And um, I, I think uh, in one one way, you can simply start in Genesis 1. When you look at God's creation of Adam and Eve, this is Genesis 1, starting in verse 28. Um, actually, let's go back to 27. Uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food." And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Mm -hmm. So that even within God's creation of humanity, there was this uh, embedded commission 
that Adam and Eve were to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth with descendants. And this is not just limited to um, physical reproduction. So though, it's, though it's certainly there. <laughs> though obviously that's at the center of that particular expression of it. But uh, the idea is not just the sheer multiplication of the human race. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that Adam and Eve were to be fruitful and multiply and uh, produce image bearers who serve God and embrace God's commission for humanity of stewardship over the earth, devotion and submission to Yahweh, etc. And of course, sin enters the world and disrupts that but doesn't doesn't deter God's ultimate purposes there. Mm-hmm. And then um, obviously we're jumping over a lot to get to what is probably the most famous um, statement of sort of the missionary endeavor at one at, at one level is Matthew 28, uh, the so-called Great Commission. Do you have that queued yeah. up? Yeah, you want right. me to go ahead and read it? Yeah, why don't you start in verse 18. Okay. Uh, And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay. So obviously this is at the end of uh, Matthew's gospel. And the uh, the resurrection has taken place, and I'll, I'll have to refrain from sort of unpacking all of the good <laughs> biblical theological threads that run through Jesus' statement here. But I'll just hint at the fact that uh, Jesus' language picks up uh, echoes of the text I just read previously of Genesis 1. It picks up uh, echoes of the Son of Man passage in Daniel 7. And it also picks up um, some of the promise to Abraham language in there as well. So lots of stuff running through there that that Jesus is the fulfillment of those and sending out his people to make disciples of all the nations. And so there there is in one sense a spiritualizing of mm-hmm. this commission from Genesis 1 that, that we as believers are called to make spiritual descendants – through the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah, and th- that's a great um, thousand foot overview, right? Right. Th- those are those <laughs> I are was some... thinking more like fifty thousand. But... <laughs> uh, th- those are those are uh, broad, broad strokes, Doc. Yeah. What the church itself, <laughs> like, what can local congregations sort of do to promote uh, this sort of spreading of the gospel, uh, uh, um, the 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 fulfillment of the Great Commission? Sure. I think that um, I've got kind of four different combinations of things. This is not exhaustive, but I think this is sort of a a list of essentials. I think in some ways it starts with the preaching and the teaching. Mm-hmm. I mean that that is in essence the kind of the the, the core of a church. I mean whatever whatever is taught from the pulpit and in your you know Sunday school and that sort of thing. Helps create the culture of the church. Helps create you know the values and the priorities, etc. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that churches need to be faithful in teaching and preaching on this subject. So I think that um, 
I, I, I want to emphasize here, this is not just, well, yeah, like a, a few times a year we have a, a mission-specific sermon, yeah. series even maybe, or we have like a missions week. Those can be great. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to those at all. Um, but I think it needs to be embedded in the steady diet of the church so that even as you're talking about texts and preaching texts and talking about topics, you're consistently linking it back to mission. What is God doing in the world and what is our role as a church to help reach the nations with the gospel? Mm-hmm. So I think it. I'm not opposed to the – and I think it's helpful to have a concentrated, specific focus on mission in terms of preaching and teaching. But if it's not – embedded within the sort of steady diet of preaching as it as it comes up in text or is related to to what you're talking about uh it's it's probably not going to permeate the DNA of your church yeah absolutely yeah um what about you any thoughts on on the preaching and teaching piece of that or you want to move on to the next I think it, I think it is helpful to have secondary events um mm-hmm. that uh, enhance uh that preaching and teaching so yep uh, I know our church over the weekend did an event to educate, uh, I think, even people beyond our church mm-hmm. uh, about missions and sure. what was going on. And I remember growing up and going to missions weeks at church where, goodness, we would hear from a different missionary every night of the week and you'd, yep. you'd come to hear an update or what was going on. So so I think those things can be helpful. But I think it's I think it's so true that what you preach about, what you teach about shows what you as a preacher or teacher values yeah. um, and what your church values. Agreed. And then I think sort of the next step is the equipping and preparing. Um, Obviously, uh, you want to be identifying people Mm -hmm. who have an interest in these things and helping to equip and prepare them for potentially serving in some sort of mission context. And I think um, that's a place where you can potentially end up finding yourself partnering with some parachurch organizations. Some of that will depend on denominational affiliation sure. stuff. But and, and some of it's individual as well, mm-hmm. De- depending on the, the, the couple or the individual who's going into missions. Uh, you know what? One organization might work better than another. Right. And, and that's where I think the church elders can help guide and direct. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you might have a, a couple or a family or an individual who says, I have a heart for mission. I'm not sure – where I might want to go or what, you know, what that might look like. That's where having leadership within the church to kind of, you know, steer and direct and say, have you considered this or have you considered this or we have these opportunities. Let's um, – and this is also where probably some of the kind of short-term opportunities might come in to, to cast vision, to, mm-hmm. um, to even connect with existing missionaries to say, OK, well, we support a team in, you know, this country. And actually, we're we're taking a trip to encourage them. Why don't you come with us and get a sense of what conditions there are like and what mission ministry there is like, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then next, pray and give. Mm-hmm. You know, pray and give. I mean that that needs to be a pretty steady piece of the church's life in terms of praying for the missionaries um, that already exist, as well as praying for people to be raised up. And this yeah. is one of the things I, I greatly appreciate about our own church here, uh, Christ Covenant Church, is that we have had a long history of praying for God to raise up people from within our congregation and watching God raise up key leaders, 
people who might are even pastors at times, and sending them out from our church to serve in different capacities. I, I also think in that pray and give, I also think there's, and I think this is embedded in it, is a remembering. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I think as a child, I knew we had missionaries. I don't think I could have named name one of them. Um, yeah. but, but remembering them, praying for them regularly, uh, even if it's just having their magnet on the fridge or, or what have you. And I think one area, one way that our church has done this helpfully is to have different life groups adopt yes. missionaries. Yes. yes. Not that the church like that not that the missions team doesn't take, you know, direct care and, and interact, but like having specific life groups say, okay, this missionary couple, we are taking responsibility for you. We are going to regularly text you, uh, contact you for prayer requests, send you maybe some gift packages, like just more direct and intentional engagement with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think our, uh, our that has been a, a big step forward in our church to get more people involved in and conscious of what's happening in the broader life of our church as we seek to reach the nations. As well as the use of technology. I, I mean, yes. just the number of times where uh, on Sunday morning, just a two-minute clip of a of a missionary of ours uh, videoing themselves just on their iPhone, praying for us or reading a uh, passage of scripture for us has been a, a way to connect us with those uh, missionaries. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I think... Um, Trying to be more intentional. I know in in our house, we've tried to be more intentional about um, praying for specific missionaries, even just as we sit down to eat dinner and ask for the Lord's blessing on the food, to even uh, mention by name specifically particular missionaries that our church is supporting and um, ask for God's you know protection of them and care for them. And I, I don't know about you. But this is often my reaction when we have these kind of commissioning services. And I'm going to – what I'm about to say is a little facetious, but not much. Okay. I don't know where you're going with this. I watch these (laughs) – I watch these, you know, what these individuals and couples and families are signing up for. And and the family that we are sending out that we commissioned yesterday has a few small children. Yes. And so you think about the fact of what they are sacrificing on the earthly level to go to a part of the world and devote themselves to the proclamation of the gospel. And I I, I, I find myself thinking, wow, am I even a Christian? (laughs) (laughs) Like I think that is remarkable what they are are willing to to give up. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about not just like – and I'm not just talking about like the sort of like creature comforts of, of uh, you know, wealth and that sort of stuff. But like being away from family. Yeah, friendship. You know, you see the extended family there. And yes, technology makes it easier to, to mm-hmm. keep in touch. But it's still not the same when you know a loved one is thousands of miles away in a spiritually dark place. And you might go – years without being able to actually see in person, you know, grandkids or grandparents or, sure. or those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I think it, my wife and I often joke about that. Like, 
are we even Christians? Like, <laughs> like I'm not even sure that that we count anymore. But I mean, I say that facetiously. But I mean, I, I'm rem- I remind myself of that's part of what we're doing here at Grace. I mean, that's part of our role in theological education is to help equip people to follow God's call in their life. Absolutely. And some of them end up going to, you know, difficult parts of the world. Many of them end up staying here in the United States and serving different capacities. And I don't want to make it sound like, you know, you're not really a Christian if you're not going to the ends of the earth. Of course not. Um, But I, I do think it is helpful to highlight the kind of sacrifice that men and women who do this uh, are, are undertaking and to pray for them, Yeah, just to, to, to pray for and encourage them. Um, any, any final thoughts on this before we give some recommended resources here? Um, yeah, I just, I just think it's something worth considering. E- even if you're um, a pastor who's listening to this, it, it's, it's worth considering, like, should my family pick up and go? Um, it, yeah. it, it's worth spending some time thinking about, talking about, and uh, and praying about. Absolutely. So we've got a couple of resources here. Um, I think for me, one of the most pivotal books in this whole area of missions, and I'm sure this is true for many of us, um, is uh, John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if it's the first line in the book, but it's like in the first paragraph. If not, it's the idea that Missions exist because worship does not. Mm-hmm. And that just really is a helpful, clear way of capturing why do we send people out? Why, oh, yeah. why do people go out? Because people, because there are large numbers of people around the world who don't worship the one true God. Mm-hmm. So, And then you, I was going to have you talk about this second resource that actually just is uh, essentially brand new. Yeah, in the last week. Um, so there's a tool uh, that I believe comes through David Platt, uh, pastor in Virginia, D.C., that that region of the country. Yes. Um, and, and he's a uh, kind of a missions guy, a, a big-time missions guy, global missions guy, uh, is talking about it regularly. Yeah, for years he served as the president of the – I forget the specific – Name of the Southern Baptist Mission arm, but basically yeah. he served as president of that for at least a handful of years. A so. handful of years, yeah. And uh, he's just launched a new tool called Stratus, S-T-R-A-T-U-S, um, and it is a, uh, a index. It is a interactive tool that you can use, and we were just on it before the pod, where you can zoom in on a particular country see the people groups, see what barriers they have there. We're just scratching the surface of it, but it's it's global. It pulls from several different uh, several different uh, resources around the world uh, to to bring this data together for us. Um, yeah, and the amount of information there is just it's it's staggering mm-hmm. in terms of people group, language groups, barriers to the gospel, percentage of uh, believers that are there, what what sort of Ongoing mission missionary efforts are there. Church planting efforts are, are are active and such. An estimate of how many missionaries it will take to reach this people group as yeah. well, uh, which was a you know we we send out a, about a missionary a year, I'd say, from our church, and it was like hundreds per country, yeah. which yeah. Was, which was wild. Yeah, 
And some some of our older listeners might be familiar with a tool uh, known as uh, Operation World. Did you ever hear? No, 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 no. So that was this book. This is, again, we're talking like 20, 25 years ago. Okay. At least. Where uh, I forget what organization published it, but it was called Operation World and it listed every country in um, in the world. And it gave demographic information and it gave like – Similar information, but it did it like in one page in a book, mm-hmm. and it was sort of a prayer guide, so that every day you'd pray for essentially a different country, and it gave like prayer requests and stuff. But you know, it was a printed book, so the second it goes to press, you know, sure. it's, it's it's already out, of date. out yeah. of date in some fashion. So now to have at your fingertips the ability to access this information um, that can be constantly updated and refreshed and that kind of thing is is staggering. So we'll put a link to this in the show notes. Uh, and this could be especially helpful for those considering missions work, but also church leaders to have a better sense of where the needs are and how uh, how even at a minimum, how your church can be praying mm-hmm. for some of these unreached people groups and areas of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we are at episode 69 and we need an athlete, John. Oh my goodness! Well, let's uh, let's read through a few of them here. Uh, so we have a we have a small list. Um, so uh, our first athlete, uh, Jared Allen. Yeah, uh, defensive end. I th- most famously with the Minnesota Vikings, but I think so. Yeah, also with the Chiefs. Yep. Um, he played for eleven seasons. Uh, Bronson Arroyo. Do you remember him? Yes, baseball player. Yep. Yes. Pitched for the Pirates, Red Sox, Reds, etc. I think I remember him with the Red Sox the most. Maybe, yeah. Uh, oh boy, um, John Runyon. Yeah, you remember okay. him? Uh, maybe a little bit. Offensive tackle. Oh, he served in Congress. Yeah, ran for Congress after he retired from really? the NFL. Served there for five years. Um, played uh, played his college ball for the team up north, and now has a son. Uh, John Runyon Jr. playing at uh, the team up north. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mark Schlereth. Schlereth, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all ESPN personality is how I remember him, but he was yeah. an offensive lineman for the Broncos? And originally the, the Redskins. Okay. But the Redskins yes, as well. Uh, played for both teams and then went on to be an ESPN commentator and – if you remember this from listening to Mike and Mike in the morning, he was a regular guest on Mike and Mike in the mm-hmm. morning. He actually has had an acting career where he's appeared in soap operas. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Now, I do know he's been fired from ESPN. Yeah, as, I don't know where he's at now. As all those guys have. Yeah. Um, yeah. But And then uh, our Ohio State athlete is Glenn Mason, played linebacker in 1970 was on the national championship team and actually was the longtime coach at the University of Minnesota for many years. Okay. And little known fact maybe for non-Ohio State fans, they probably don't care, but when Jim Tressel was hired, Glenn Mason was the other finalist for that job. Really? And uh, hmm. huge relief that Jim Tressel got that and not yeah. that not Glenn Mason. He, he seems like a great guy, but I, I don't think he had been a good fit for that coaching sp- spot. So who you got? Okay, so I have it down to two in my mind. Okay. I have it down to Jared Allen and I have it down to Mark Schlereth. <laughs> okay. All right. It's four good good athletes. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean totally. I mean four four people that I, I at least recognize, which is I 
I'm going to lean towards Schlereth. I'm okay with Schlereth, yeah. Because when else are we going to have a chance to get a soap opera star? That's true. Stars too much. A soap opera actor mm-hmm. as part of this. So we're, we're going to go with uh, Mark Schlereth here. So, okay. One thing you liked. Uh, so I mentioned last week that I would pick another criminal, um, I believe, for, for this week, uh, another crime-related thing. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> are we going to move to criminals? Maybe maybe that's what we should move to after we get to after 100. After athletes, yes. We'll just go to criminals. You know, episode yeah. 101, we'll just, you know, Jack the Ripper as yeah. the uh... – <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I have been listening to the audiobook Wizard of Lies, uh, the story of Bernie Madoff. Okay. Um, if you don't know Bernie Madoff, he was the one that pulled the Ponzi scheme uh, on – Basically, all of Wall Street yeah. uh, for years, and uh, including the New York Mets. And so it's kind of his life story, and he just passed away in prison. And where can one f- access this? Uh, is this a sh- is this like a, a TV show? A The Wizard of Lies. It's a bu- it's audio. It's an audio book. Okay. Yeah, it's a book. book. Gotcha. Yeah, Wizard of Lies. Uh, written. Uh, it's a journalist exchanging letters, basically, with him in okay. prison, and okay. uh, him telling his story, and then. Them filling in details from other sources. It's uh, it's fairly interesting. Okay, good. So my one thing this week, and uh, I'm pretty sure I have not mentioned this uh, on the show, is I'm gonna I'm gonna promote another podcast called The World and Everything in It. Hmm. It is a podcast. It's a daily podcast. Well, during like a weekday daily okay. podcast. Okay. That's done by World Magazine, which is a uh, a Christian magazine that that essentially is sort of a Christian version of like a Newsweek or a Time magazine. Okay, and they have expanded out into doing this daily podcast. It's around thirty minutes. Wow, that's a long daily, and it's um, it is a pretty wide ranging news and opinion kind of podcast. I I replaced. I used to listen to uh, Al Mohler's. Uh, the briefing mm-hmm. every morning, and I still like that podcast, but it it tended to have a very narrow focus sure. on a on a small set of cultural issues. By contrast, this is a like more of a uh, kind of wide spectrum news source. So they they talk about all different kinds of things, and they also have they deal with Supreme Court cases. They 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 have segments where they literally summarize the arguments. In basically every Supreme Court case that's argued before the Supreme Court, and then they, you know, when when verdicts come out, they they talk about those. So it's it's really well done. Uh, the world and everything in it. Hmm. So I highly recommend that. So I think we've uh, we've talked NBA playoffs. We've talked the Great Commission and sending out church planters. We've talked. Uh, athletes that we don't have strong connections to. We've talked about uh, another criminal, Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff, yeah. We've we've talked about a uh, a great source for news in, in the world and everything in a podcast. And so I think we're, we we by definition hit our various and sundry topics. That's right. And so I'm ready to call mission accomplished. I think so. And that means until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. 